We honor you in Jesus' name. Together we say, amen. Can we give him a praise here this morning? Amen. Amen. You may be seated, and it is so good to see you in our second service. This was our very first day of our new service time in the early morning of 9 a.m., and we had a good, solid crowd this morning, and I was grateful to see that. And it's good to see all of you that are with us in person. I know there are many that continue to watch online, and so to all of my online friends and family, God bless you this morning, and I'm glad you're uh, with us here today. If you would, get your Bibles out. You can turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 7. We'll begin there in the last few verses, and then we're going to back up to Matthew chapter number 5. But I'm so grateful to see every single one of you. I I pray this morning that the Word of God just speaks richly into your life, that you'll receive it. Here in a few moments, we'll be going and taking communion together. We haven't received communion together as a church family since at the beginning of the year. So I've been looking forward to this moment. So here in a little bit, we'll, we'll take us there. But first, let's get into God's word and see what he has for us in our lives. If you were with us last week in service or perhaps you watched online, you know that we focused on what it is to live free in Christ. And we know, church, that one of the key components of living a life of freedom is to live a life that is based on truth. The truth of Jesus, his teaching, his promises, his power, and his hope. We know that without the absolute truth of Jesus governing our lives, we are going to fall prey to Satan's destructive traps. We're going to fall short every single time. We're going to find ourselves in a mess. Our world's going to begin to fall apart at some point in some time. So it is so important that you and I walk in the truth of Jesus Christ. We've got to allow his word to thrive inside of us. I mean, he cultivates our lives uh, with the truth of his word. And so I pray this morning as we continue just to come back stronger, as we build our lives, as we continue to move forward, that we are building our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, many of you that know the word, you, you may have already been there before I even told you to go there. But there is just a powerful portion of scripture we find in Matthew chapter number 7. As we go here together, many of you may know that this is that famous message that we have titled Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, Jesus has been pouring into the people. And we, I'm going to begin here at the very end, and then I'm going to take you back to the beginning. But he's been pouring the word of God. He's been pouring truth into their lives. And he's been helping them uh, face many issues. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 24. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, they will be like a foolish individual, a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, the imagery given by Christ is one where I believe anybody of any generation is able to picture in their mind and comprehend the truth that is spoken here. 
because here in Oklahoma, we understand what a storm is. We understand what heavy rains are. We understand what the winds and the strong winds are. Early this morning, it is around the 11 o'clock midnight hour, I got a phone call. Now, most of you are probably like me. If you get a phone call at that hour, it's typically not good. So, you know, my heart kind of skips a beat for a moment because I'm thinking about my kids and I've got kids traveling right now. So, you know, I have things like that upon my mind. And so that phone rings and it was my mom's number. So I thought, oh, you know, what's going on here? So I answer it quickly. First thing she says, my mom, you know, if you know her at all, she's kind of abrupt when she comes onto the phone. You know, there's not really a subtle entry on, hey, how's it going? Is everything good? She's like, Stephen, is everything okay? Is the family okay? And I was like, man, three seconds ago, I was dreaming about being on the beach. Yes, I'm telling you, I'm okay. I'm okay. But, you know, obviously not everything's okay there in Muldrow. So she began to tell me, you know, that they had gotten, you know, a big storm, which we were having a storm at the time. It was thundering and lightning. But they were on the front end of, of one of those movements there, and, and it just uh, it wreaked havoc on the trees and on the house. She told me that the front porch was hanging, that's halfway blowing off, and that it would just look like a war zone down there. So uh, I anticipate a pretty lengthy call this afternoon for her to tell me all the details about everything that's, uh, that's gone on. And I'm thankful that everybody, everybody was okay, and, and hopefully everyone was okay in the neighborhood around them. But you and I understand what Jesus is talking about when he says building on a foundation that's going to last, building a strong structure that's going to be able to withstand the storm and the winds and the floodwaters. So he speaks this into the people's lives, and it means so much to them as they receive the word in which he has given to them. Now, again, you heard me say earlier, this is the very end of his message. You see, for chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, for the last several moments, Jesus has been preaching this message to the people that have gathered there. As he is up upon the mount, he is presenting to them all of these things, and he's pouring into them to help them to be strong and to receive that in which he wants to give them in their lives. Now, you may see this a little bit differently, but I broke it down this way this week as I come to present it before you. I see in this message 21 life topics that Jesus hits. It is a powerful message. Now, some of you were like, man, is he going to get ready to preach 21 points? Okay, no, I'm not going to do, do that to you. Those online were like, man, I'm glad I'm watching from home because I can, I can speed this up a little bit. No, I'm not going to do that to you. But I, I am going to give them to you, but I just want to look at them briefly here as far as the 21 topics that I see. Going back to the very beginning, Matthew chapter 5, when he begins in verse number 3, he begins to talk about Christian character. That's the one that we're going to look at here in, here in a moment. We're going to kind of look at the first couple. But he talks about Christian character. He talks about being an example for others. You move on through the message, and he talks about the value of living in righteousness. And then he talks about dealing with anger. And then he talks about the truth concerning lust and adultery in our lives. Then he really gets personal as he begins to talk about our relationships, and he even lays out some grounds for divorce. He talks about honesty and integrity and the importance of not taking oaths. Then he talks about what it is to have revenge within your life and what that looks like and how that ought to look like. He talks about love and prayer for your enemies. He talks about giving with the right motive, understanding how to pray, proper and productive fasting. He moves forward and he begins to talk about our wealth and the perspective that we have with our wealth. Then he deals with anxiety and then the downfall of what it is to judge each other. 
And then he talks about the power of prayer once again. He moves forward and how, to, how we ought to treat each other. And then he lays out these two roads before us. And we're going to choose one of them. Many choose the broad road. Few choose that narrow road. And he gives that illustration. He goes on to talk about identifying the fruit of your life. And then the evidence of true saving faith. And then what we just read here at the very end, those two foundations with two different outcomes. If you need a message in life, an instructional message and a powerful message that's going to talk about your Christian life and how to live, go to this message right here. It's one of the most powerful messages ever presented because it's Jesus giving us his truth for us to build our lives upon. What I want to do here this morning is go back to chapter number five. And just look at those first couple of things. So go with me to verse number two. He starts off with talking about our character. Our character is so important because it really gives evidence to a genuine relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Please do not negate the power of your character and who you are. Never dismiss it as it's something as like, oh, this is just how I am. This is who I am. This is how I was raised. All of that is important, but find your identity, your nature in Jesus Christ. So he talks here. We know this portion of scripture as the Beatitudes, but let's go in verse number two, Matthew 5, 2. It says, and he opened his mouth and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you and falsely because of my account. In those things, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Of course, speaking into all the people and to the disciples around them because he knew what they were headed for. Uh, as he continued his journey towards the cross. I want you to see here is what we know as the Beatitudes. With every single one that is given, it was followed with a promise. Did you see that? Every single one, all of them, there is a promise on what you will inherit, what you will receive. For we know this, when you live to please God, you're going to reap a harvest of his blessings and his promises that he has for you. I say this many times. I don't serve God because he owes me, because God doesn't owe us anything. But when you live to please God, you cannot help but put yourself in a position where you're going to receive from his goodness. You're going to receive from all the incredible things that he has in store for you. He wants your life to abound in joy and peace and the blessings that he has for you. He wants your relationships to be strong. He wants the atmosphere of your home to be strong. He wants your wealth to be strong. He wants everything about you to be the place where you can be happy and joyful and spiritually prosperous. The word blessed there, that's literally what it means. To be happy, to be joyful, and to be spiritually prosperous. That's what God wants for his children. I don't believe there's one parent or grandparent in here that would say, I don't want anything for my kids. Man, we want our kids to have the best, right? 
We want our grandkids to have the best. We want them to be able to know Jesus. We want them to be able to walk in his love and in his power and in life. I know we, we, they're going to go through things and they're going to have to face things because that's how you learn and that's how you grow and that's the reality of life. But every single one of us, if we could, we'd just pour out as many blessings as we possibly could on them. Because that's the love we have for them. And it's not that we don't owe them anything, but you know what? We want to give it because that's the relationship we have. And that's the relationship God has with us. The relationship he has with us, we've sang about it. He loves us so much. He wants us to walk in the power of his promises. I don't believe there's a day that goes by that he doesn't want you and I to experience his peace. Such an incredible thing that we need in today's time. Can I tell you, you can walk in the peace of Jesus Christ. You can abound in that peace. You can have a sound mind. You can have a sound spirit. You can know that you're very secure within. Even with everything going on around us, that's what he wants for you. And when you live to please God, when you take on his nature, when you begin to reflect who he is, you cannot help begin to experience these things that God has for you. When you look at these Beatitudes, and I'll just break them down for us quickly, and, and I know you can understand these clearly, but the poor in spirit, who is that? That is the individuals depending on God to supply all of their spiritual needs. In other words, when you're poor in spirit, you understand that you need a relationship with Jesus. That in this world, no matter how good you are or wise you are, intelligent, gifted, you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the one that fills you within. He's the one that gives you a true peace. He is your Savior. He is your Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Being poor in spirit, you have this recognition that you know that Jesus Christ needs to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You go on down, it talks about those who mourn. That is sorrow that leads to true repentance and change. That's what that mourning is. Now we know the Lord, he'll turn that mourning into dancing. He'll turn that sorrow into joy. We know the Lord does that for us in our lives, but there's a point in all of us where we have to mourn for the sin that we have and for all the things that we've allowed within our lives. So in other words, there's this heart of true repentance. When you have a heart of true repentance, that's when you begin to change, right? That's when your life, if you just get caught and then you admit that you got caught, that's one thing. But when you have this repentance inside, it says, man, there's a lot of wrong inside of me. There's some decisions I've been making. There's some places I've been going. There's some things I've had on my heart and mind that's just not healthy and good for my life. Man, I need to repent before the Lord. That's a good thing because God will take that heart and he'll work with it. Blessed are the meek. I love this one because it, that is strength submitted to authority. I did a little bit more study and research on this one. The Greek word for meek describes a stallion that is submitted to its rider. And I love that because a lot of times when we hear the word meekness, we think weakness. That you've got to walk timid. And that you've got to walk in a way that you're weak within your thinking and weak within your words and weak within your mind. And that's not what it means at all. Meekness is not weakness. What it is, it's an individual who can submit their life to the Lord and walk in the power of God. Matter of fact, when you think about Moses, Numbers chapter 12, verse number 3, one of Israel's greatest leaders, Moses, it was said, he was the meekest of all the men that were upon the land at that time. But yet he was so powerful. He had so much authority and he had so much faith. But he knew all of that came from God. He was able to walk in meekness, but he also walked in the power of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's just an individual with a strong and a genuine desire to be in a right relationship with God. And that's for all of us. We can take on every single one of these and receive the blessing that God has for us. 
The fifth one, blessed are those that are pure in heart. Those, those are the individuals with a pure motive, not mixed with things of this world. When they speak in their thoughts and as they move forward, as they make decisions, they're not contaminating it with all the things of this world, but there's a pureness inside of them because it's coming from God. Blessed are the merciful. Those are the individuals that are kind and compassionate, again, reflecting the very nature of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. That means promoting peace with God, promoting peace with oneself, and promoting peace with others. And we all should take on that. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That means that maybe you've had a rough road because you've identified yourself with Christ. That's okay because Christ, he suffered and he was persecuted. And when we identify ourselves with that, there's a lot of blessing in that. We know the scripture talks much about that, especially in the New Testament. So when we look at the Beatitudes, I hope you don't just know this passage as the Beatitudes. I hope you know it and you apply it and you live it. Because there is power in each and every one. The Beatitudes, they are a guide to Christian living that's going to produce, again, true happiness and true joy and spiritually prosperous lives. I mean, who doesn't want a spiritually prosperous life? Who doesn't want to be able to have that true joy and peace? You know, I don't want to fake it till we make it. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to just walk through this world wearing the title of Christianity, praying ever so often, going to church each week and kind of going through the motions but never really understanding it and just hoping in the back of my heart that it's real and that there's something about it that's real. I want to wake up every single day and walk in the prosperity that God has for us in our spiritual lives. I want the peace that I have to be incredibly real and the joy that I have not to be a fake smile across my face, but I want it to be because of the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. I know, I'm sure many of you are probably weird like me. Maybe you're not. There's moments during the day where something will just be incredible and it'll just kind of overwhelm me just in a really good way. And I'll find myself giving a fist bump to the Lord. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what that looks like to him. I don't know what he's thinking. What is he doing? You know what I mean? But I mean, it's just that moment you feel good. And I step back and I say, God, thank you for this moment right now because I know this moment would not have happened without you. I know you guided this moment. You directed this moment. You're the one who puts all of this together. And I am so grateful for that because I know it wouldn't happen without Jesus Christ. I don't want that to be fake. I don't want my worship to be fake. I don't want my worship to the Lord and the songs that we sing to be something that we're just going through the motions. I want it to be something that comes from a genuine relationship inside. And when we take on the, these beatitudes, this nature, it shows the evidence of what God is really doing inside of our lives. Man, that's how I want to build my life. Amen? That's how I want to build my life, through the truth and the power of his word. Who doesn't want that? Now, notice how he moves into the next portion of his message. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13 through 16. I love this portion. I, I just, just, it's a powerful for you and I because it talks about not just living for ourselves, but living for others. Verse 13, it says, You're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And I just picture him on the side of that mountain looking into the crowd, the multitude that is gathered. And he says to them, those who would believe, he would say to them, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hilltop cannot be hidden. And there's power in that statement because who's the true light? Jesus is the light, right? So what he's saying is, I'm about to live inside of you. 
I'm going to live inside of you, and the light of Christ is going to shine through you. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we don't do things for others to see. We do it for Jesus to be glorified. And so you think about that. What he's saying to him, he's like, okay, he's giving him the Beatitudes. He's talking about Christian character and conduct, how we ought to respond and treat with one another. He is saying to them now, be an example. Take this truth on. Apply it. Allow it to be cultivated deep within your spirit. This is who you're going to become. Be the catalyst uh, to light a spark in others around you. Be a light that's going to glorify God speaking such a powerful truth into the believers as they sit there. And, and many of them are just becoming believers. Some of them are not believers yet. As I present this message to the church today, I believe I'm presenting it to a Christian crowd. So he is saying to you and I today, these are the things that you need to cultivate in your life. These are the truths that you need to build your life upon. Now, over the next couple of weeks, the pastors are going to help me, and we're going to look at this together, this message together. But this morning, that's as far as I wanted to go into it. But I want to tell you, when he talks about this conduct and he talks about this character and he talks about being the example and being the light, if we want to come back stronger, if we want to live in freedom, this is a great place to start. The truth and the power of God's word. So think about everything we've just read and looked at together. And again, go back to the very end. He says in verse 24, chapter 7, Everyone then who hears this message about Christian conduct and character and how to treat each other. Everyone who hears this word about being a light and being an example and walking in the truth. Everyone who hears these blessings and these promises that I'm speaking over you and into you. Everyone who hears this and these words and does them. You're going to be like a wise man, a wise individual who built his house upon the rock. And when the storm comes, when the hurricane beats against it, when the tornadoes are twirling around in the air, when the wind's coming at 100 miles an hour, when the rain is torrential, when there's giant-sized hail that's falling all around you and it's beating up against your house, when all of that comes and when the flood waters rise, when all of that happens, if you are building your life upon Jesus Christ, and the truth of his word, and the power of your word, if you are founded upon that rock, then you will still be standing when the storm passes. Praise God for that truth. After these last several weeks, and the weeks that we still yet to face, I want to be standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. I want my spiritual being, my spiritual man, to be founded upon that. I want my attitude and my demeanor to be founded upon that. I want my reactions to be founded upon the truth of God's word. Because if not, eventually, whatever I'm building on, it's going to fall. Scripture says, and it's going to fall greatly. Because we can build our lives on a lot of things. I've perceived some things and watched some things and had conversations over these last several weeks some individuals have held true to this. 
And they said, wow, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of anxiety and fear. There's things happening in my business. There's things happening with my finances. I'm not sure how to handle this. I'm not a person that can really isolate themselves from others. There's just been so much going around. And then you add on top of that all the political turmoil and the unrest that we have going on. There's just a lot for people to face. Individuals that have been founding their life upon Jesus Christ, building upon Jesus, they're still standing right now. Others, though, they've looked to other things. They've allowed themselves to where they were securely stationed. They've kind of leaned on things that were not healthy. Maybe it was, you know, some substance abuse. Maybe it was alcoholism. Maybe it was unhealthy ideas and thoughts. Maybe it was going outside the relationship of your home. Maybe being together brought more turmoil than it brought good because maybe you didn't know how to handle it because you weren't founded upon the truth of Jesus Christ. So eventually, where you thought you were standing, perhaps you just got a little bit too close to the edge, and the next thing you know, you were off of that foundation of Jesus Christ. I want you to know something. The foundation has not moved. The foundation of Jesus has not changed. The foundation of Jesus, even though all things around it may be shaken, it is still stable and secure. The pandemic has not changed the foundation of Jesus Christ. The unrest of our nation has not changed the power of Jesus Christ. All the political turmoil and all the things that are going on around us has not changed the truth of who Jesus Christ is. All of that that's going on around us, the bitterness, the unbelief, the doubt, does not change the truth that someday Jesus will return for his church and that heaven is real and that hell is real and there's a choice before us all which one we would choose to go to. None of that has changed. The power of his word, the promise of his word, the truth of his word, that foundation still stands in its place. Does he get tired of us and push us off? No. If we were God, would you do that? Probably. <laughs> but he won't. Think of the song we sung about his love. He's not going to do that. He will not do that at all. He stays here. I was thinking, it, kind of, it came to my mind in the early service when I thought about just a foundation and built up on the rock. I thought about our travels to California, Michelle and I and the girls when they were younger. There's a beach, and I couldn't remember the name, and they can help me a little bit later. It's close to Balboa, Newport, where we would go, and it's a state park, and we would go there. And there's these beautiful rocks and these beautiful boulders, and the ocean just crashes into them. And so many of you, you've been to places like that, or you've seen that on TV or online, and the ocean just continues just to beat against those rocks. It's pretty majestic. For me, I could just be mesmerized, and I could probably watch it just about all day long because it's just peaceful, it's powerful, it's just there's so many things that come to mind when I'm just, just sitting in that moment. And just day after day after day after day, that water just pounds against that. Matter of fact, we had family that lived real close there up on the hill. And so they had a beautiful view. And we went out and you could watch it. You could hear it just constantly, 24-7, just beating up against those rocks, those big old boulders. Can I tell you, if you went back down there after a day of hearing all that, they're still there. And even after we left for a few years and come back and we see it again, they're still there. You know why? Because they've been put in place and that's where they're going to be. And unless it's just an act of God to move them, that's where they're going to be. And that reminds me of the foundation of Jesus that I'm standing on. 
man, the waves are just going to keep beating. The storms are just going to keep coming. It's going to keep happening. The storms of life are going to keep coming our way. Again, using the imagery that Jesus paints in Oklahoma, we ought to understand that the storms are just going to keep on coming. Season after, sometimes they're out of season, but they're still going to be there. But you and I can be standing strong because we're built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Again, I go back to these last few weeks and the messages that we've been presenting to you. Coming back stronger, living free, today, built upon the rock. Don't you think the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to us concerning how we're approaching life right now? Now's not the time. Now's not the time to give in, to tolerate things that are not of God, to compromise your spiritual values or your spiritual truth. Now's the time more than ever to make sure that you're building your life upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Some people don't do that, right? We've all, matter of fact, we've all been there at that place in life. When you think about sand, I'm not, not my construction is a hammer and a nail, clean up and breaking things, you know, you know, demolishing things. That's where you want me. You don't want me putting it together, all right? But I do know enough that when you're trying to lay a foundation, you've got to have a strong foundation. Matter of fact, this church that you're sitting on right here, it was really low. And so we just hauled in all types of dirt and all types of feel. And we really had to build it up. You can go out. You can see how it goes like this. This was really low. And this is, had to really, then the foundation had to sit for a really long time. And we had to be patient. And we had to be careful. And we may, had to make sure that we did all the right things to make sure that this church was built on a strong foundation. A lot of times people get in a hurry or they're seeking pleasure or they're seeking something that looks really good. But just because it looks really good doesn't always mean that it's right. A lot of people can build an extravagant house upon the sand. You can build an extravagant house upon the seashore. You can even go down deep with some peering and do all kinds of things. But eventually, if you build it improperly on a, on a foundation that's way too sandy, it, it's going to collapse. And when it does, it's going to be pretty catastrophic. We've seen that happen in the reality of literal building. But when we go back to our spiritual lives, a lot of people try to build something pretty extravagant, but it's not on a strong foundation. Oh, it's fun, and you can invite your friends and your family to it, and it seems like everything's going really well. You're having these incredible barbecues. you got these great views. I mean, things are going just great. But again, if it's not built upon a solid foundation, when the storms of life hit, that extravagant house built upon the sand it will fall catastrophically. And that's what happens in a lot of people's lives. So today, I would just simply ask you, challenge you, ask you to pray about this. What are you building or who are you building your life upon? What is sand? Our wealth is good as it is. It's good to have, nothing wrong with it. But if you're building your life upon it, you're building your life upon the sand. If you're building your life upon relationships, as much as we need relationships, as much as we love our spouse and our children and our families, and that's all good, I'm not saying any of that's bad. But if you're building your life upon those things and those things alone, you're building upon the sand. If you're building it upon your career, on your work, on anything else other than the truth of Jesus Christ, you're setting yourself up 
for this catastrophic collapse. Because even the good things of life can not be not so good if you don't have them in their proper place. And what needs to be, we know what scripture says, right? You already probably thought it multiple times over this morning. Who's the cornerstone of that foundation? Jesus Christ. And that foundation is the truth and the power of his word. The apostles, the disciples, they built upon that foundation and we built upon what they were building because they were building everything upon the truth and the promises of Jesus Christ. So in this season of life, where we're at, everything we continue to face, let's make sure we're building our life upon the rock, the rock of Jesus. Father, I thank you for my church family. I thank you, God, just for there's a strong attentiveness this morning because I believe the word, not mine, but your word has really gone deep into every life. I believe that here in the sanctuary and I believe that for all of those who are watching online with us. I know that you're speaking to people right now. So I pray as I get ready to give an opportunity for people to know you and, and have a personal relationship with you where they can begin building their life on you, I pray that, Father, Lord God, anything that would try to pull them away from making a decision to live for you, I pray against that. And I pray, Father, for their life, for your salvation. I pray, Father, Lord, for there to be just a beautiful relationship to begin right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray your blessing upon my church family. And I'm going to pray that here in a moment before we leave. But in this moment, I pray that every single individual is building their life upon the truth and the power of your word. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, and for everybody that's watching online, either presently or later, if you're at a place and you recognize that you're not in a right relationship with God. Right now is the best time. This is the right moment for you to be able to make that decision to say, Jesus, I believe, I accept you, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, and I want to get right with you, and I want my life to be built upon your truth and your promises and your blessings and who you are. If you're here in the sanctuary, if you're watching online, whoever you may be, if that is you and you want to accept Christ into your life, I want to be able to lead you in a prayer. So right here, very personally, with every single one in the sanctuary, if there's anyone here that would like to accept Christ and say a prayer and begin building their life upon Him, right where you're at, would you just slip your hand up so I can see who you are, so I know who I'm praying with. You don't have to go anywhere, do anything. I'm just going to pray with you right here. The church family is going to pray together. I'm not going to call you out, point you out. I'm just going to pray with you. If there's anybody here in the sanctuary, if that's you, just lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Say, Pastor, I need to pray that prayer because my life is not in the right place. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Tim, for helping me. And God bless you. Amen. I'm going to wait just a moment. There's one. Maybe you're at a place, and I'm cautious with this because... I don't, I don't believe we can walk away from God as easy as some people make it. But maybe you were standing with a good place with God and you really, really have distanced yourself from Him. 
and you want to come back to a place and being in just a strong relationship, would you lift your hand because I want to pray with you. Amen. 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 Several. 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 Amen. So there's two prayers I'm going to pray. Amen. Any others? Say, Pastor, man, I just need to get back on that foundation. God's not left me. He loves me. He's never forsaken me. I'm the one who's kind of walked away. Anybody else? Amen. I tell you what, there's two prayers, church family, I want to pray. The first one is this, accepting Christ into your life. So as an encouragement to those around you, would you say this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And I ask you to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sin. I give my life to you. I ask you to help me each day to walk with you, to grow in you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for I am a child of God. Jesus' name, amen. Can we praise him this morning? Amen, amen.